all that I see is a man in front of me. When he asks, asks as he may, what do you need today? I am struck with dismay. And all I can say, I say, all I need is honesty. Yeah, that's all I need. Honestly, yeah, there's words in my ear. All that I seem to hear, and his eyes. Never leave my hand. He calmly wastes my time, but now I'm stuck in this way. And all I can say, I say, all I need is honesty. Yeah, that's all I You see, and that's all that I'll ever be. So if all that you need is all. That's singer-songwriter and carpenter Tim Moxham with the song Honesty from his very well-received second album, Marlborough Hall, the follow-up to 2016's Soft Summer. Now, Tim Moxham is out on tour in eastern Canada at the moment, and it's a tour with a difference, as he's also delivering stopgap accessibility ramps to some inaccessible music venues along the way. There's a lot to unpack in this interview, to learn more about his music and current tour, we're pleased to welcome Tim Moxham to Folk Roots Radio. It's great to be able to talk to you today. Thanks so much, Jan. Thank you for having me. You must be one very busy guy. You, you know, one of the things that's very clear when you actually, you know, read your bio in advance of an interview is that, yeah, you're a musician, you're a singer-songwriter, 
but you're also a carpenter, and I gather that means working all hours of the day, which is unusual when you're a musician. Yeah, it it is unusual, um, and and I don't sleep very often, but um, but I really love both of the pursuits in my life. So I I've had to make the sacrifice of sleep and of sanity at times, but I I really enjoy it, and and I'm very proud of both both of those lines of work. You know, I've got the energy right now, and so I just keep plugging away at it, and uh, it's, it it keeps me very happy for the most part. Long term, I'm happy. Short term, it's hard. <laughs> and I think you you you've been a, working with wood all your life, haven't you? I I read a story that you worked on cabins with your father in northern Ontario or something first. Yeah, that's right. When I was young, I I built docks at my cottage, and I would uh, uh, help my uncle build his cabin. Um, that was sort of a, a a lifelong project while while I was growing up with on the lake um, outside of Algonquin Park, and then. Um, that sort of got put by the wayside when I went away to Concordia University to study jazz guitar. When I came back from school, I was looking for some career in music. I, jazz was an incredible education, but it wasn't exactly my strong suit. Um, I was more interested in folk music and songwriting. And so I, I joined a band in Toronto called Great Bloomers. And that's when the carpentry reentered my world. Uh, and I started working for um, for a builder in Toronto who uh, were made up of a crew actually of musicians. So it was sort of serendipitous. And I think the builder's pretty happy with the fact that you have music as a another part of your life. I know that on their website, I think they have it down as, oh yeah, Tim is a carpenter, but he's also a musician. That's right. I've had a lot of support through my carpentry career for the music. The first that first company I worked for was uh, made up of most of the founding members of a band called the Deadly Snakes, who were a big band in Toronto in the uh, 90s and early 2000s. And then when I moved on to my second carpentry company called Greening Homes, the owner is an avid collector of music and huge fan. So he'd be at all of my shows. Anytime I needed to go on tour, he'd say, go, go, go. We'll see you when we get back. And, uh, and, and, and then now moving into... Uh, my third contracting company, which is uh, called Endeavor Center, I, I enjoy that same support. I, I've been very lucky in that sense. And I guess there's probably a lot of music on the job site. Always, always, yes. There's very little. Um, there's very little silence on site. Although, to be totally honest, a lot of that music doesn't come from me because uh, when I'm not working, I'm working on music. So when I'm at work, I sometimes enjoy the silence. <laughs> I can actually think. <laughs> Let's dig into the the music on Marlborough Hall. That is your second album. Now, the, your debut, Soft Summer, that came out in 2016. That did very well. I think you had songs on that album that were top of the CBC charts. Um, so that had done well. Then Marlborough Hall came along. It's got some cracking singles on this album. We started off with one of my favorites, which is Honesty, which I gather was possibly going to be the name of the album, wasn't it? That's right. Originally, you know, it felt a bit too direct, but the I, the, the album is really about honesty. It, it's it's all about um, coming to terms with, you know, you know, w- what will my life be versus what what I what I am driving towards, and 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 or or more more so the the concept of your life is happening now all around you. So be honest with that. You know, it's not 
it, it, it's, it can be, I think, a bit unhealthy to sort of constantly be wishing things were better and, and forgetting to stop and, and literally just enjoy the moment that you're in. So it, it really, it was about that. And, and, and it's also about, um, just empowerment, you know, becoming comfortable in your own skin and, and confidence and, and, and growth and, and maturity and, uh, my my former albums had always been about heartbreak and about feeling sorry for myself in some sense, and and I just got really tired of that, to be totally honest. You know, it's I mean, there's nothing wrong with a good breakup song or a good heartbreaking relationship song, but I just wanted to write a song that just made me stand up and lift my head up and say, you know what, I feel great. <laughs> and I, I sense that being authentic is really important to you. Well, I, I just think I mean, authentic is. You, you try to be the best version of yourself. I think, I think you, you're always changing, you're always evolving. And, um, but realistic, really underneath all of that evolution, there, there is this one person that sort of in one sense or another is the same person throughout. And that, that's also what the video of honesty is really about is that the, if you get a chance to see the video, there's a lot of changing images of, uh, of, of this character, you know, ultimately at the end they're left naked and exposed and 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 the concept is that that person was always there it doesn't matter how you present yourself you are the person underneath all of that so that that became really important to me and and so in that sense authenticity just being you know who are you who are you really i'd like to go back to the album and play another track and i'm going to play another one of those songs that i'd regard as being a single and that's all i feel i love this song as well tell us a little bit about this one Oh, all I feel that was a that was a tough song, you know. I, I that that's about that's about um, you know throughout my life and growing growing a little older. Sometimes you you shed skins, and that includes shedding certain people in your life. That that and it can be very sad, but people part ways and and grow apart. And and that was about a sad moment where you know I'd grown apart from from a couple of really important people in my life, but but coming to terms with that and. Um, and again, about being honest with myself about that and being honest with that person about that. And, and, uh, and so it, it really is, again, a, a vital representation of the honesty that sort of supersedes or, or, or threads through the entire album. Do you find, um, you know, songwriting fairly easy for you? I, I ask this question a lot and, you know, people say, no, usually it's, it's challenging. I, I always curious to, to, oh. to, to find out how you feel about songwriting. I mean, it, it's just waiting for that moment of something that really you know, feels it's an important story you want to tell? Yeah, I, I find songwriting excruciating, which, uh, which I, I don't take as a negative thing. I, I think that that, me that means that it's worth it because ultimately what you're doing is you're ultimately kind of digging deep into your psyche, pulling out all the stuff that hurts and then articulating it as, as directly as you possibly can and then making a song that lasts forever that you'll always come back to and always listen to and always remember that thing. <laughs> so you're really like, it's, it's really a, a painful experience, but, but in the end, what you're left with is, is a form of self therapy. You process a lot in the, in the act of songwriting and the, in the act of any creation, I think for the artist, that's what really draws, draws you in is, is there is this moment of clarity and that is growth and that's development and that's, that's maturity. So for you, um, does the melody come first or does it all come together when you, you know, working on a song? I'll, I'll noodle around on a guitar for weeks and weeks and weeks and, and have a little melody in my head. And then the words, I procrastinate and procrastinate until I finally sit down and say, all right, I'm ready. I'm, I'm mentally 
I have the capacity to go through this process now. And then, and then the words come. So let's listen to All I Feel. This is Tim Moxham with All I Feel from his great second album, Marlboro Hall. You're listening to Folk Roots Radio, and I'm Jan Hall. The things that you say Settle and stay On my mind How many ways How many ways Can you find To get in my head Get in my head these thoughts. It's all in my head. It's all in my head. Oh, now. And I better watch my mouth, boy. All of the things I feel might come But no, if I slip, I'm just being honest It's all I can do to serve my own hell
serve my own hell To serve my own hell That's Tim Moxham with All I Feel from his new album, Marlborough Hall. It actually came out earlier this year. Tim Moxham's our special guest on Folk Roots Radio today. He's actually on tour in eastern Canada. The interesting thing is Tim is a really hardworking guy, and I have to keep mentioning the fact that he gets up at 6 a.m. in the morning and he's a musician because he's also a carpenter, <laughs> and he has to be on the site probably for 7 or 7.30, um, which makes for some long days. Marlborough Hall was recorded in Toronto with Chris Stringer, who is a fabulous producer. He's worked with Megan Bunnell, Timber Tombra, The Wooden Sky. I mean, he has a great sound, doesn't he? He really does. He really does. He he knows what he wants. He has all the tools at his disposal, and I mean by that I mean his his own cap- his own abilities, and and he just he knows he knows how to pull the best out of out of the artists that he works with. Like he, he doesn't hold back. And, and, um, you know, one of, one of the things, one of the reasons I keep coming back to him is that, and, and I fight it every time, but I, I go into the studio and I say, all right, Chris, this time we're going to do it differently. This time I want to record the songs and then I'm going to go back and do my vocals. And he says, and he tells me, no way you're not, I'm not letting that happen because you can do it the other way. And that's, that's, that's special. So, all of the albums that I've recorded with Chris, well, I, so I suppose I should say the two albums I've recorded with Chris, all of the vocals are recorded live off the floor with everything else. So there's no editing to the vocals, which is, you know, kind of not, not as common these days. It used to be very commonplace and, it, and it, it results in a particular sound. And I think I look back now and reflect on that and listen to those songs. And there's something really special about that because it, it, it really has this quality of being quite organic. And the vocals are by no means perfect. Um, and I hear all the little things that I wish I could have changed. But but those are the things that I actually now listen back on and really, really like. 
So there's something special about that. And that comes from Chris. That's Chris's drive. Funny you say that because certainly when I listen to your music, one of the things that I notice, and I think we notice it on both honesty and all I feel, is that there is a live feel to this. And I guess, you know, because you're, you know, doing it live off the floor, um, you know, from a listener's point of view, I kind of in some ways prefer that because I think that, as you say, it's organic and although you might, you know, you mentioned that, you know, things may not be as perfect as they could be. Um, it, it just feels really alive, which is, I think, a, an appealing quality from the listener's point of view. That's a great word for it. Alive is the, is, is the right word. Like it's just, there's, there's a, there's a third dimension to the music. And, and I think that that's a, a special production sort of approach that, that is, is more and more becoming lost in, in digital music production because, especially with vocals, uh, people come back and they, and they just sort of hammer them into the ground until they're so flat that they just, they lose that, that feeling of being alive. Yeah. There's certainly an art yeah. to it. There's absolutely no doubt about that. Absolutely. T- tell yeah. us about some of the other people that were in the studio with you. Or my last two albums, again, both of which were recorded with Josh Van Tassel, a fantastic percussionist and drummer who, uh, I mean, he's been with everyone. He's, he's played with Great Lakes Swimmers. He's currently on the road with Donovan Woods. Uh, my God, he was on the road with Tim Baker for a little while from Hey Rosetta. He's just sort of, he's, he's the real go-to um, uh, Toronto drummer, or at least in my mind and in my circles. Like He's, he's just a total pro. And then um, I always make my albums, and, and, and I would consider one of my creative partners uh, a guy named Adrian Cook, who um, is a multi-instrumentalist. He's actually, he plays the saxes and the clarinets on the album and uh, the guitars and keyboards and synths. He's, he's sort of a, the, multi, the multi-instrumentalist go to and and he's he's currently on the road with more and more and and uh, doing some really wonderful work with a lot of different artists he's played with weather station in the past and those two have been uh really sort of dominant in my music making and then um bass player charles james who's also on the road with tim baker a fantastic friend uh in the first band i ever played in in high school is with charles james so uh, it was great to come back and work with him and then uh singer ivy mary who is an incredible soloist and does her own music um sort of in the pop world and and she's just she's just an incredible singer an incredible person so that team i, I you know it's easy to come back to and work with each time because they're just they're such professionals and such incredible people and you really got to make records with the people that you that you love and i think it must make it pretty comfortable from your point of view especially again as we mentioned that you know you're a very busy guy you trying to manage two careers at the same time and and you know that's exactly it it is two careers it's not like you know, I, I don't think anyone would say, oh, you're a part-time musician or you're a part-time carpenter. You're obviously trying to do both as well as you can. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I have to rely on the, uh, the the people that I work with to uh, to nail it. And these guys, they, they all they all nail it. So <laughs> I don't have to worry about them. <laughs> now, you're on Roaring Girl Records. So these two albums were on Roaring Girl Records. That's the wonderful boutique label that Miranda Mulholland uh, started with. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, Roaring Girl Records is um, a fantastic little boutique label, as you say, and and uh, really spearheaded by the incredibly talented Miranda Mulholland, who is also formerly of Great Lakes Swimmers, uh, who now runs predominantly runs a music festival called the Sawdust City Music Festival out of Gravenhurst, Ontario. This year was uh, Joel Plaskett headlining and uh, a ton of other fantastic artists, uh, some of them from Toronto, Abigail Lapel. 
some names are escaping me now, but always a fantastic lineup. And so she's been a huge uh, advocate for my music because she, she really is, it really is an artist run label. She works with artists that, that she truly believes in. And then she also is an incredible advocate for music, uh, musicians' rights. And that's a big part of her career. So uh, heavily involved with SoCan and, and, and in, in essentially her big battle is with, with uh, royalties collections and streaming, fighting streaming and, and um, those, kinds of, uh, those kinds of battles, which on behalf of artists, I, I mean, it's so, um, such an honorable fight. So she, I, I, I'm, I, I feel I'm in good hands working with someone like Miranda and there's few of her out there but she's she's wonderful and she also believes in the importance of the product which I think as in radio the the saddest thing I find is that you know and we live in this streaming world which doesn't pay musicians as much as it should and unfortunately people forget about the benefits of sitting there with vinyl or sitting there with a cd and a nice uh, booklet that comes with it absolutely and and she is an advocate for that and you know I I don't know where I stand on that because that, that's a really tough one. I, I, I think the industry is changing so rapidly that no one knows really what to do or what to expect. I can certainly tell you that I enjoy sitting down with a, with a vinyl and, and having it in my hands and flipping the record because that experience forces you to interact with the music. Whereas if you have a, a pre-made Spotify playlist on, I mean, there, there's a reason that an artist who has a million Spotify streams but then goes on a Canadian tour or an international tour doesn't really see any difference in their audience size because for the most part, those, those streams come passively. Like there is a difference between active and passive listening. And, and, and that's something that we have to reconcile as listeners, as audience members is how do we want to experience music? Do we want to experience it passively? Uh, and will we lose the art form or will we lose aspects of the art form from that? Or do we want to experience it actively and actually engage with it and, and come back to a uh, situation in which we really appreciate the arts for, for, for what they truly offer us? Yeah, I certainly hope in time things will switch back. I think, as you say, that things are changing so rapidly, it's really hard to, to see where things will end up. But if, as long as you've got labels like Roaring Girl Records, Borealis Records, Smithsonian Folkways really trying to put out a oh, great yeah. product... I think eventually people will realize that, hey, you know, I do want to interact more with the music I'm listening to. So it's great that we've got people out there doing that. We're going to go back to the album and play the title track, which I absolutely love because there's a real fragility to Marlboro Hall as a song. Tell us a little bit about this one. Oh, this was a very interesting song. I, we recorded this, uh, in one take in the last 20 minutes in the studio on the eighth day, the last day in the studio, last 20 minutes. We were sitting there and we were, we were basically done. I mean, for the larger purposes, we were tired and we were done recording and we thought, well, we'll go in the mix. Let's just enjoy this last 20 minutes and sit here. And then I said, you know what? A song just popped into my head that's, you know, four, four years old, maybe even long, five years old. Let's, uh, let's just try it. And uh, so without Adrian having, having even heard it, Adrian, my, my uh, keyboard and guitarist and, and creative partner, we went into the studio and we did it two or three times and we said, well, you know, whatever, maybe we'll get something out of it. And then uh, it was weeks later, Chris had been mixing the record and he had forgotten about it and he stumbled across it and he sent me a, 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 just a quick bounce of it and said, if you don't put this on the record, I'll never work with you again. <laughs> and I took a listen and I thought, you know what, he's on to something. And, and you, you said it well, there's a fragility to it. There's a delicacy to it. 
there's a patient, a patience and a resolution. And that's ultimately why I ended the album with that song as well as named the album that song, because it really came to represent the honesty and the, 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 the coming of age and the maturity that I was and the development that I was really striving for on the album without overstating it. And that, and that is what the song is. It's, it's an understatement of a very like, uh, crucial sort of developmental stage in my artistic career. Let's listen to that just now. This is Tim Moxham with the title track from his great second album, Marlborough Hall. You're listening to Folk Roots Radio, and I'm Jan Hall. There's a ghost in Marlborough Hall the Marlborough Hall He died at the Marlboro Ball To seize his prison cell Yet he sees that they still stand tall In these aging hotel walls Fade before his eyes And he knows He's a ghost Cause he chose To stay for he feels He'll have wasted his years But it's all down from here But he shut on his teeth That's Tim Moxham with the title track from his latest album. It's entitled Marlborough Hall. Tim Moxham is our special guest on Folk Roots Radio today. He's actually on tour in eastern Ontario, I think. I think he may be still in the Kingston area, but he's heading out to 
New Brunswick and down into Nova Scotia and I think PEI. The interesting thing about this tour, Tim, though, is you're not just going out to play music. You're actually delivering accessibility ramps as well for the, the Stopgap Foundation. Tell us a little bit about how you got involved in that project. Yeah, that was an interesting um, marriage there. I, I came across Stopgap years ago working for my former downtown Toronto renovator, Greening Homes. And we would often team up with founder Luke Anderson and his volunteers to help uh, build ramps for storefronts all over Toronto and, and, and outside of Toronto. And ultimately, the service they provide, as you say, is accessibility ramps for single-step entryways to storefronts, venues, coffee shops in need of accessibility or otherwise inaccessible to people. As I moved on from greening homes and was, was refocusing energy on music and another contracting company and, you know, through reconciling and try, or at least trying to reconcile my, my two careers, I sort of started to develop this idea, well, maybe I can maybe I can make more of my tours and maybe I can make more of my, my carpentry work. And so what we did is we teamed up and I, I, I got together uh, for a, a sort of pilot build with uh, Toronto's Jason Collette from Broken Social Scene, Chad Ross from Questifier, Comet Control and Nordic Nomadic, Kate Rogers from Kate Rogers and plays with a lot of other artists in Toronto and a uh, uh, local folk artist, Dana Pierceau, who's now on tour in Europe. And the five of us built uh, five ramps for inaccessible venues along the route of my tour, either that venues that I'm performing at or venues close by or coffee shops or in the case of St. John, a record store that that kind of caters to the musical community of St. John. As I move through my tour, I've brought these ramps along and I'll be donating and installing them on site and uh, sort of having a little chat with the owners and talking about accessibility to the community and, and uh it, it's really turned into this beautiful story of uh, like a marriage for me of my two careers, but also a sort of a, a larger kind of community endeavor uh, to bring these two, to bring music and accessibility together. Oh, I think it's a wonderful story. The sad thing with access is that often people don't, people don't realize how important it is until disability comes to their own lives or the lives of their family. And suddenly they realize that the places that, they would like to go, whether it's a coffee shop or a music venue, suddenly is, is, has a barrier. I think the, the, the cool thing about these ramps, because they're so brightly colored and that they have stopgap on them, is that they, they promote the conversation, don't they? I mean, they encourage people to, to talk about what access truly means. Well, I think that's the really important part, and that's why I really stand behind stopgap. I mean, there's a lot of community organizations that are building ramps, and that's, that's fantastic. Stopgap is in my own community, and so that's part of why I'm drawn to them. But, but really, as you say, like these really brightly colored ramps with the big Stopgap logo, it's 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 more than just accessibility. It's the conversation about accessibility. And you know, in the case of this tour, there's even some aspect of the celebration of accessibility. Um, you know, where where I've called a lot of venues and said, "Are you accessible?" And they say, "Actually, thank you for asking. We are." And I say, "Well, I celebrate you. Thank you." And, uh, you know, tell them about Stopgap anyway and tell them about how we can participate. And, you know, please pass the message on if there's any inaccessible venues nearby. I'll bring them a ramp. And, and, um, and you know, I, like being a part of that conversation is so special. And then being able to sort of integrate that conversation into a, the touring musicians community and sort of involving other touring musicians. You're going to Alberta. Are you performing at this venue? I know they're inaccessible. Here, take this ramp bring it to them, have a conversation with them, share the message. That's such a, 
a rewarding and, and energizing experience. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely. I, I'm, you know, well aware of the stopgap people. If this allows them to get the message out further across the country, and again, you mentioned there are other organizations doing similar things, but it's the conversation, you know, yeah, the, maybe the ramp gets people in, but there's still the issue of the bathrooms that are probably downstairs, uh, perhaps exactly. the need of an elevator inside for a, you know, a separate room, that sort of thing. The only way we can get started is to have the conversation because, uh, you know, a lot of the buildings that people are trying to renovate have, uh, you know, maybe, you know, 50, 100 years old. And, you know, that's not something that can be solved immediately. But hopefully if we start the conversation in the future, people will will be able to to think more about how to do things better. And that's really what we all ask for. That's right. Yeah. And and I should say that as part of this initiative that we're uh, organizing, we've launched a GoFundMe campaign. We're encouraging people to visit. Uh, we've got the hashtag stopgap on tour. Type that in or you can find on my website on the stopgap on tour link or on my Facebook, my Instagram. It all sort of links you to the story and, and links you to the uh, GoFundMe where if you so choose, there's a, an option to uh, make a charitable tax uh, tax free donation. And uh, really, this is going to become a rolling program where where the next time Fast Romantics goes out on tour out west. I'll probably be calling them and say, I know you're playing that venue. Hey, can I give you one ramp? That would be fantastic if you could drop that off. You know, I want this to be a, an ongoing story that, that more and more people are participating in that conversation. Yeah, and no, I think that's, that's a great thing because the, this is a perfect story for the band or the individual going out there uh, to engage with local media. I know you've been doing a little bit of that yourself on this tour, so... All power to you, all power to Stopgap, and all power to the other musicians that are getting on board as well. I did want to ask you a little bit about what happens now. Marlborough Hall came out earlier this year. Do you foresee spending the next year or so promoting that album? Yeah, I do, actually. And uh, especially, you know, having been so energized by this Stopgap program, I've got a West Coast, West Coast tour coming up in the fall, which is also going to be part of the Stopgap on tour. And then also I'm, I'm starting to book for Europe in the new year. I'll be taking a contract with a sustainable builder out of Peterborough in March that will take me through to the end of the summer again. So I'll be doing some weekend touring, weekend warrior touring in Ontario and Quebec throughout the spring and summer. And then into the next fall is where, where the mystery begins. But, <laughs> and again, as we were talking about, the industry's changed a lot. I won't make another album for a little while, but actually as part of Stopgap, I've, I've written a, a song that we used for the promotional content and that song now being finished, we're going to go into the studio with Chris in September and record that and uh, pitch that to, to media to sort of play and plug the stopgap program. So, you know, I, beyond beyond the just promoting Marlboro Hall for the next year, I'm, I'm going to kind of start to integrate stopgap more into into my touring schedule and and see where it goes from there. Uh, you know, Marlboro Hall will have legs for a while and I'll basically you know, ride on the back of that with stopgap and vice versa and kind of see how far I can go with it. And, you know, just keep going. I mean, I long ago kind of gave up the idea that one of these waves would break and I'd just ride one into the sunset. Like it's, it, it, this is my life. This is what I'm doing. And, and, and I'm energized by it. And I'm tired, but it, it's worth it. Every day is worth it. So well, I'm all, just going to keep going. Yeah. I was going to say all power to you because I think it's great that as you say, you're riding both waves and being very successful at it. So as long as you feel good about that, I certainly hope you'll continue. That song that you recorded for, or you're working on for the Stopgap campaign is in the video 
I'll link to our website as well. I actually posted it on Facebook this morning. Nice Wonderful. song as well. So I'll definitely looking forward to getting a copy of that when it's finished. If people want to learn more about your music, how can they do that? Yeah, um, if they would like to learn more, if you, if you type in Tim Moxon into Google search, you'll find everything you need. And if you're on social media, at Tim Moxon Music is where you can find everything you need to know. All of those avenues and all of those outlets will have links directing you towards the Stopgap program. If you look up hashtag Stopgap on tour, it all sort of is interwoven into this big story now. So you can find it a number of ways. We're going to finish with another song from Marlborough Hall. We're going to play Goodbye Already. It is, unfortunately, the end of a great interview. I really appreciate you spending the time with us. Tell us about this song. Goodbye Already, yeah. So this is the title. Uh, this is the sorry, opening track from Marlborough Hall. This was a real departure from my former self and a real good segue, a really good segue into the content of Marlborough Hall. It is a, it is a breakup song. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's been, it's been a really wild ride with that song. It reached number 10 on the CBC uh, radio Two top 20 countdown. You know, I've received a lot of, of positive, uh, attention for it. And I, and I, I'm, you know, I'm really happy. I, I, I do this because I love it and, and getting a little bit of, uh, good feedback from that is, is such a bonus. So the fact that this song gained legs and, and, and took off is, has been really rewarding for me. It's a great song from a great album, certainly. And again, thanks again for spending the time to talk to us and have fun on the rest of the tour. And all power to you and Stopgap. The more people we've got out there talking about the importance of access and barrier-free environments, all the better. That's just a wonderful thing. This is Tim Moxham with Goodbye Already from his great second album, Marlborough Hall. You're listening to Folk Roots Radio, and I'm Jan Hall. Thanks again, Tim. Thank you, Jan. Darling, it's me I've been waiting For you So patiently I've been praying To And I can't believe The worst saying Now the music's got a hold of me Yeah, it swallowed me whole And it was beautiful But it's lonely I could not conceive What it would take for me But now I see
you know that I am willing And it's in my control The life that I am living But it ain't no relief When you ask me 